Amen. Go ahead and be fine in the book of Habakkuk again. Habakkuk chapter number 2. And I'm glad all of you that are here today I want to welcome those who may be our guests. We appreciate you worshiping with us here uh, at First Baptist. And uh, it's been a good day already. We look forward to what the Lord is going to say to us through His Word. Habakkuk chapter 2. And I want to bring a message entitled, A Life That Does Not Trust God. What does a life look like that's not living, trusting God? What does a nation look like when it's a life or a nation that does not trust God? God gives us those answers. You remember last week, we only looked at one verse out of the book of Habakkuk. We looked at some other verses in the New Testament, three specific. And the verse was simply Habakkuk 2 verse 4, the just shall live by his faith. It's interesting that God gives an answer to Habakkuk about all the things that are going on in the world, about just trusting God. And that's it. And how to walk by faith and how to live by faith. But then he gives the rest of the chapter, which is almost 15 verses, of what it looks like when you don't live by faith. What it looks like when you don't trust God. And more importantly, for Habakkuk's sake, what's actually going to happen to the nation of the Babylonians or the Chaldeans. So what does a life that does not please God look like? Or a life that does not trust God? Tim Keller wrote in an uh, a, um, a, a article recently uh, this thing. He said, sin isn't only doing bad things. It is more funda- fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Sin is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than on God. Whatever we build our life on will drive us and enslave us. Sin is primarily idolatry. One of the things we're going to look at this morning is a life that does not please God or a life that does not trust God ultimately ends up in idolatry. But there's a, there's a progression as we see here in Habakkuk of a life that does not please God or trust God. Look at verse 4 again, because we left out the first part last week. The Bible says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Verse 5, Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man, and he does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell, or the grave. And he is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. What God is speaking through Habakkuk, God is giving him the answer of what's going to happen ultimately to the Babylonians. God is using the Babylonians for a brief period of time to... Uh, discipline the nation of Israel. We talked about what it means to walk by faith. Now I want to give you five things of what it means to live a life that does not trust God. And before you write it off and say, this is for the Babylonians. This is for those that don't know Jesus. This is for those who are not in church. Before you write that off, every one of us can be guilty of that today, of not trusting in God. So the first thing is this, a life that does not trust God is a life that is built on material things. A life that is built 
on material things. If your trust is not in God, then it's on the things that you can see. It's on material possessions, material things. The Bible says in verse 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine. It's interesting that the first material possession that God gives to Habakkuk that is a characteristic of the nation of Babylon. In fact, one of the major sins that will destroy the nation of Babylon is alcohol. That's what he says here. It's wine. You say, well, that's very interesting. But if you read the other minor prophets, specifically Nahum and Amos and Joel, all of them refer to the sin of drunkenness. In fact, the nations that have gone before the Babylonians, like Assyria, guess why they destroyed? Because of their own drunkenness. Guess how Babylon is destroyed? Because of their own drunkenness. And later on, the Romans who, who destroyed within themselves was guilty even also of drunkenness. It is something that is very evident in Scripture. It is something that we see here in verse 5, a, a focus on an item, an item that is of material possession, and that is of drunkenness. Drunkenness puts the man or the woman absolutely into the hands of Satan to do whatever he wills, whether it be lying or swearing, cursing, robbing, etc. A drunken man is like a fool because he loses total control of himself. Habakkuk says that it's drunkenness that God is going to use to destroy the nation of Israel, or, or God will, that will cause God to destroy uh, the nation of Babylon. Indeed, because he transgresses or sins by wine, verse 5, he is a proud man and he does not stay at home. Alcohol never satisfies. One of the number one questions I get as a pastor from the first time I surrendered to the ministry all the way up till today, it can be church people, it can be people at Walmart, it can be people of other denominations, is what, what does the Bible have to say about alcohol? And for many it's, well, we don't really discuss it because the Bible's not clear on alcohol. The Bible's absolutely clear on alcohol. Drunkenness is a sin. And that may please a lot. It may please a lot of denominations to say, well, that's good. I can have whatever I want to just as long as I do not get drunk. Yes, the Bible does say that, but you have to look at the entire Bible and not just verses that we like or verses that we pick and choose. Because the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the name of the glory of God. So here's how I view alcohol. Here's my opinion on alcohol. I'm glad God gives us verses about uh, the destruction of a nation because this is also the reason why I believe America is going to be destroyed because of our own drunkenness and what's going on in society today. Because it used to be a problem out in the world, but now it's a problem in the church. It's a problem in the inside the church that we are no different than anybody out in the world when it comes to alcohol and drunkenness. I believe that as a pastor and I believe as a Christian that all that we do, we do to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in my life, total abstinence is the best thing for me because I cannot do anything in good conscience when it comes to alcohol and bring God honor and glory for anything that I do. Nor, more importantly, can I have any type of alcohol and expect my brother or sister who is lost to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by looking at the lifestyle that I have in my own life. And then number three, I don't have enough power and 
Satan is more powerful to me. I don't know what it's going to take to cause me to be drunk or to cause me to leave into a life of drunkenness. So the best thing for any Christian to do is to abstain from any type of alcohol and that will bring God honor and glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's not just alcohol, it's any type of sin that may cause addiction into their life. You say, Brother John, what I do at my home is really none of my business. It's, that's just what I do and what I enjoy. And you're right, it's none of my business, but it's God's business because He knows all and He knows your heart. And I, I want to explain and encourage you today to not look at the Bible and expect a yes or no answer, but to look at decisions you make in your life and ask yourself this question, Will God be honored by what I do? And then number two, will people come to know Christ by my actions? That will answer a lot of questions that, that is in your life. But the Bible, going back to the Scripture, says, Indeed, he transgresses by wines. He is a proud man. He does not stay at home because alcohol does not satisfy. He enlarges his desire as hell or Sheol, or the, the, the grave. He, God says that drunkenness has led to pride and has made you like hell or Sheol. You want to gobble up everything, continuing to expand its border, moving out, never, never satisfied. Not just alcohol, but greed and material possessions will never satisfy your soul. A life that does not trust God will be a life that you will go to your grave wanting the next best thing. That's what a life looks like when you don't trust God. The scripture says in Matthew 6.33 that whatever it says, uh, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Look down in verse 6. This is the first of five different woes. We're still in the uh, material thing, built on material thing point. Will not all these take up a proverb against Him? And a taunting riddle against him say, Woe to him who increases what is not his. How long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges, will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you and you will become their booty? Because you have plundered many nations and all the remnant of the people shall plunder you because of men's blood and the violence of the land, the city, and all who dwell in it. He's talking about gaining things that are not yours. The, the materialistic uh, lifestyle is a lifestyle that does not trust God. One of the first things I told you about the book of Habakkuk is the book of Habakkuk speaks more to modern life than several other books in the Bible. Other books in the Bible we have to take and understand by faith. But Habakkuk speaks directly to 2016 today because of a lifestyle that is built on material possessions. If a man does not trust God, then he needs for things. His need for things become a burden. The world is an insecure place and the individual is insecure within it. So he works to get a little bit more and a little bit more in hopes that he only has a little more that he may get by. Do you trust God today? Do you trust God with everything that you have? I hope and I pray that your life is not just built on the next big thing. That your life is not built on material things, but instead you trust God. You trust God with your finances. You trust God with every decision that you make. Saying, God, I am putting my life in your hands and my life is not built on material things. A life that does not trust God, number two, is a life that is built on dishonesty. 
a life that is built on dishonesty. Verse 9 and following says, Woe to him. Here's the second woe. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers will answer it. It's built on dishonesty. A person who focuses on material things, you remember, it's not ever enough. So what he may have gotten in an honest way, although he possibly had to take a loan or something out to do it, his creditors, we turn back up in verse number 7, when that's not enough, then he begins to gain by dishonest means. Because he is fulfilling a desire that is as full as hell. There's no, there's no bottom to it. It gobbles up everything. So when they can't get it by honest means, then they get it by dishonest means. He resorts to dishonest practices. And the Bible says here in verse 10 and following that the things that he steals will soon begin to cry out back at him. The things that brought him Temporal satisfaction is now crying out. The Bible says in the last part of verse 10, the sin against your soul, the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers will, will, will answer. It's the dishonest means of a person who does not trust God. I encourage you today, whether you know the Lord, if you know the Lord, you know you should trust God in all things. But number two, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior today, that you put your trust in Him and allow Him to forgive you of your sins and you walk by faith every single day because the things that's bringing satisfaction to your life today will run dry and ultimately you will end up in a lifestyle of dishonesty because you have to have that need fulfilled and that will never come Ultimately, on your own, it has to come through dishonesty. But then number three, as if those two were not enough, he goes on. Remember, he's talking about the nation of Babylon. How they're built on material things. How they're built on dishonesty. But number three, they're built on destruction. A life that does not trust God is a life headed for destruction. The Scripture says in verse 12, a third woe, woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, it is not, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor to feed the fire and the nations weary themselves in vain. For the Lord will be filled with knowledge of the glory of the Lord and the waters cover the sea. A nation that is built on destruction. You've gone from material things to dishonesty to now destruction. I can't help but think about our own country. I can't help but read this passage and just like every nation that has fallen before, every nation is different. But every nation that has fallen has fallen for the same reason. Because they don't trust an Almighty God. America was a land that was filled with material possession, keeping up with everybody, spending money we don't have. Today we are over $19 trillion in debt. There's no way out of that unless God sends revival. And that's what I hope you're praying. That's what I hope I'm praying. But not only when it comes to, to, to material things or degree, the next step is dishonesty. 
And there's so much dishonesty today when it comes to our leaders, when it comes to our politicians. We don't know what anybody believes. And today you can stand up and say whatever you want to and you'll get 10 million people to vote for you. Or more than that. And after dishonesty, the ultimate follow-through is destruction. Not content with what dishonesty can produce. They are now adding crimes of violence in their life. So great is their desire to have things. And if God doesn't send revival to America, destruction will come. We see some of that already. And cities riot here, cities riot there. What's happening? Their dishonesty is not fulfilling their desire, so they're taking it one more step further. And now it's a nation of destruction. In your own life, those that don't trust God, it starts out with so small. It starts out with maybe a little bit of alcohol. That's what the writer says. Or maybe another material possession that, that, that you choose to, uh, to, to have to satisfy you, but that's not enough. Then you go out and you steal and the dishonesty. And then the next thing is it leads to destruction. It leads to violence where you become angry, where you develop a temper. Why? Because you are, you are fulfilling something that cannot be satisfied apart from Jesus. Sin never fully satisfied. It always gives you a craving for something more and something greater and something stronger. Sin will never satisfy you. You were created in the image of God. And the only ultimate satisfaction for you is a lifestyle and a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and a life that trusts in God. But number four is this. You would think that destruction would be the final one, but that's not it, or violence. But after violence, something else comes. Verse 15, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. You are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you, and utter shame will be on your glory. Will be, will be uh, on your glory, for violence done to Lebanon will cover you in the plunder of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood and the violence of the land and the city, and all who dwell in it. Material possessions do not satisfy, so you lead to dishonesty, which do not satisfy. Then you go to violence or destruction, which does not satisfy. Then you go to sexual perversion. This is where people who are born one gender grow up and say, I want to be another gender. This is where people who grow up and have an have a, have a attraction to the opposite sex say, I don't know if I like that. I think I like guys of my own sex. And this is where you have a country who is destroyed. And even though you have 37 states who say that marriage is between one man and one woman, our Congress and unelected officials say across all of the nation today, you have to honor and you have to respect those who desire to get married no matter who they are. Sexual perversion. A country, a life that does not trust God. See, there's no end to it. 
First, it just started out with an attraction, a material possession, a longing for something. And then that didn't work, so you went to dishonesty, and that didn't work. Then you went to violence, and that didn't work. Now there's just all types of sexual perversion all over mankind. Now we've got not only people marrying people, but sooner or later there's going to be people who's going to have, want to have the right to marry their dog. You're going to have people who want to have the right to marry their house. You're going to have a person who is growing up who desires now they are a dragon. See, there's no end to that. It's not just a, you got to give two men their right or two women their right. There's no end to that. It's ultimate chaos. It is sexual perversion. And the writer says here, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to the bottom. You desire to get someone else drunk so that you can expose their nakedness because what satisfied you yesterday or the year before does not satisfy you today. So you go one step further. And then when that doesn't satisfy then you go down the road. Because a person having sought security in things and being disappointed there, this God-despising man now turns to personal relations, hoping to find security to, through love. He desires to get this person drunk. Anytime alcohol leads to gross immorality, it leads to the breaking down of morals. It leads you to commit sins that you normally would not commit. But this writer here, this person that he's writing about, this nation, they don't know how to love. They don't know what love is. Love is only found through relationship with Christ. It's not found through anything else. It's not found through another attraction. It's not found through alcohol or pornography or any other addiction that may be drugs. It's not only found in Jesus. All of those things are temptations that the enemy points in your, in your face. And when you accept those things and you begin to consume those, it does not fulfill. So then you go to the next step. If this isn't America, I don't know what is. Bible says in verse 16, you're filled with shame instead of glory. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you. Utter shame will be on your glory. I will always love our country. And I know you will too. But you can't say I love the United States of America and not be ashamed about what's going on. And it's not just in our country. I think you can say the same thing with the church today. Because there's not a lot of difference between the church and the world. But then there's a fifth one. And the last one. Of a life that does not trust God. Verse 18, what profit is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image... A teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols. Woe to him who says to wood, Awake! To silent stone, Arise! It shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. Idolatry. You read in the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, first part of Daniel, he builds this statue 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide. How in the world could a nation 
bow down and worship a piece of gold. How in the world could the prophets of Baal cry out to a God who is dead? How in the world can people in our country today follow the different occults and follow the lifestyle of Scientology or astrology and begin to worship those things that are created or even the things that you make? And not worship God. Did they just wake up one day and decide, you know what, I love this pulpit. I think I'm going to start praying to this pulpit, asking that it would arise and awake from its silence. That this is now divine. This is now something that we need to worship and to bow down. Because somewhere in the middle of this man-made wood is a deity. You don't just wake up and do that. You know what happens? It starts out by focusing on material possessions. And that doesn't satisfy. Then you gain by dishonesty. And that doesn't satisfy. Then you gain by violence. And that doesn't satisfy. Then you resort to seduction or sexual perversion. And that doesn't satisfy. So what you ultimately build is an idol. And you say, that's where I want to go. And that's where I want to worship. And that's my church, that's my lifestyle, that's my God, and I'm going to bow down and I'm going to worship this cult or this man-made religion, this man-made lifestyle. And I swear I want to put my trust. And the writer says here that they cry out, they ask to the silent stone, hey, arise. It's made with gold, it's made with silver. That's why today in certain cities you have statues of Satan. Statues of other whatever. Because it's been a progression all the way down of a life that does not trust God. It's been a progression of a nation that does not trust God. And my encouragement to you is this, verse 20, the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. Out of this entire chapter, Habakkuk hears 18 and a half verses on a nation that does not trust God, Babylon. But a verse and a half directed to Habakkuk. Verse 4, the just shall live by his faith. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. What does it mean to be silence? The presence of God. Just walk by faith. And trust Him. Walk by faith and trust Him. That's all it is. Don't build your life by money. You'll never have enough. Don't build your life by an addiction. Alcohol, drugs, tobacco, pornography. It will never be enough. Don't build your life by dishonest gains. You'll get caught. And although you may live your life not ever knowing... Nobody else may know. One day you'll stand before the judge of all and He will expose everything that you've ever done. Live your life to trust God. And if you say you trust God, 
Let there be actions and fruit to back up what you believe in. You remember the word last week, faith? What is faith? Believing and acting on that belief. So do you trust the Lord? Do you really trust God through everything in life? I pray that you do. Because we saw this morning what it means to have a life that does not trust Him. Let's pray. God, I pray today that You would forgive us. God, forgive me for not trusting You in every part of my life. God, I pray for this church that You'd forgive us for not fully trusting You in everything that we do. God, for our country, God, I beg for Your forgiveness. Lord, the writing is on the wall. We know where America is going. Unless You send revival. God, we pray with Habakkuk, Lord, that You'd send revival. Not only to our nation, not only to our church, not only to our families, but to each one of us individually. God, send revival. Lord, I pray if there's someone that's here today who needs to put their faith and their trust in You and to turn from their sins and accept You as their Lord and Savior, God, You'd give them the courage to come, to publicly profess, I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. I want to be saved today. And I want to know what it means to go to heaven when I die. God, You'd call those to come today. Lord, for every Christian that's here today, may our desire is not to be as close to the world as I possibly can get without being the world, but to be as close to Jesus as I can possibly get. Help us in our decision making to not worry about what is right or what is wrong, but instead worry about, will this bring honor and glory to Jesus? And if it doesn't, Lord, we'd stay away from it. We'd have no appearance of evil. Wouldn't be a stumbling block to any person. But instead, by our actions and our choices, may they bring people to the throne of God and not away from it. God, help us in that. I pray, Lord, that those who just need to come, maybe just to pray, Lord, you'd call them to pray. God, send revival. First Baptist Church, send revival to our own life. In Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's